what does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go beyond the scripts. Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft at Pioneer Rx as the Director of Education. And one of the things I love about this podcast, of course, is the awesome guests that I get to talk to. So today's guest, I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit before I let her jump in because in so many different areas of business, areas of interest, you find leaders who are leaders both to spectators and fans of that uh, genre, but also who motivate the uh, their peers within that industry. And so you, you find that for a variety of reasons. You find that sometimes with you know, Gates, right? Like if I say Gates in the context of technology, everyone knows I'm talking about Bill Gates. And maybe that's, you know, because of the patents he holds uh, as a business leader. And you find that in sports with, uh, if you're talking about basketball, if you say Jordan, anyone knows you're talking about Michael Jordan or in NASCAR, if you say Dale or music, if you say share or in the uh, realm of um, professional chefs, if you say Gordon, Everyone knows who you're talking about. And what's great about those is that, again, it's not just a patent that they hold. It's a passion for their profession that um, elevates their profession to a new level and really helps their peers grow. And today, one of those names that you've probably heard on this podcast is Amina. And Amina Abubakar is joining us today. So, Amina, Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I had to I had to kind of resort to a bit of flattery because it occurred to me on so many episodes your name just comes up and and during a conversation and somebody will say, "Yeah, like Amina blah blah blah" and, and just move right past it as though the entire audience is supposed to know that they mean Amina Abubakar. And I think that's really cool. I don't know how we got there, but yes. <laughs> I've got some ideas. Um, So you've been uh, in the pharmacy game for a while uh, out there in North Carolina, definitely kind of a uh, very conducive environment for um, forward thinking pharmacists. So tell me a little bit about uh, where you got started there uh, in the Charlotte area. Yeah, so I landed in Charlotte and worked for CVS Pharmacy. Uh, That was... uh, my first job post-pharmacy school and just loved Charlotte, loved my job, loved people. If you put me anywhere that people exist, I thrive. If you put me in a box or if you put me in a basement, I die. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my life is really about connections and um, I just love it. I just love seeing what people do, how people live, how people think. So I knew I really just belonged in the community. So I, even in pharmacy school, throughout all my rotations, I just thrived in all the excitement that were in retail. In the hospital, yes, I found cool things, but it wasn't as exciting when I went home. 
but I always remembered the story who came in, who had the baby, whose dog, you know, does funny things. And I just felt like as a pharmacist to do my work and still be part of the fabric of the community, uh, that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, that's such a cool place to be, like in that community pharmacy where you're, you know, kind of doing that traditional role that that kind of, um, I don't know, almost, you know, that one of those staples in a community, you know, really, really a pillar for people to, uh, to, to lean on. So um, when, when did you start, when did you leave uh, Three Letter and go off to your own venture? So two years was the most I could handle. <laughs> and every day I was like, this is it. And I had to do the two years because I had a sign-on bonus that was tied to those two years. So I, of course, had to finish that contract. And right after that, when I didn't have to pay back, I started uh, looking outside. And so I yeah. went to Home Infusion, which was great. Loved the clinical aspect of uh dosing patients and uh, transitioning them from hospital into the home uh, by connecting them to uh, our nurses that would deliver the infusions at home. So kind of hospital at home, you know, so I, I like that. And at the same time, I was at an independent pharmacy two days a week and a home infusion three days a week. Nice. Yeah. So that, um, it, you know, it, it's a similar story here, you know, from a lot of pharmacists, you kind of go through pharmacy school and you go and, you know, serve your time <laughs> at a, uh, you know, at a, at a chain. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of experience, I think, that you take from that and whether that's, you know, things that you, you want to improve in the industry or, you know, things that, yeah, I, I feel like you kind of hone your your values on where you want to go uh, through adversity, and you know, so it, I think it is kind of important, even if it's not perfect. Uh, yes, <laughs> no, you you that. learn a lot, and I think they're set up to teach you uh, what pharmacy should be, except they don't allow you to practice how pharmacy should be. You know, <laughs> so in theory, they've done so much research. Because I go back now and I say, I understand why they told us to run those reports, but how they presented it to me, I wasn't sold. Now I see the why. And so we do it different with our technicians. So you find that we end up doing very similar things, except in a way that's humanized. Right. Well, and that's that's really the... That that's really the bear with you know even even the best intentions if it's something too you know too corporate you 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 can't make it that personal you can you can graphic design the heck out of it and and come up with some great marketing slogans to make it sound that way but you can't fake it you know yeah so that was my journey and then right after that uh, the independent pharmacy owner that I worked for had to sell to CVS. And so I yearned that touch points of those patients. And I had already made uh, connections within the community when I was helping her. I had connected her to so many different doctors. Uh, so when I went into this independent pharmacy, she, this lady was a sweetheart. Like she, everybody loved her. And I wanted to make sure 
she elevated the clinical side of the access she had to the patients. So I've always been very passionate about HIV care. You know, just from my background, uh, growing up in Kenya in the 90s, this disease was just very devastating. I would see it in the news and just wonder, like, how did we get here? You know, how do we help these folks? Like the images were just like the people who are so skinny and they're going to die and there was no hope when you had this diagnosis. So I always had that personal interest because I knew people that were dying from that disease at that time. So in pharmacy school, I had connected myself to learn and see how I can be a resource for these individuals and how I can, even if I, even if I don't have the medicine, but could I offer support and um, compassion so they don't feel alone and isolated. So that's kind of where my passion for HIV was since people said there was no cure. So I was like, if there's no cure, then we could have compassion at this point. You know, something has to uh, fulfill uh, for these individuals. So she had quite a few of HIV patients in that area. And so I connected with their doctors and said, hey, I'm filling this prescription and I noticed that you're seeing them for HIV. They're seeing a primary care for these other things. And I'm seeing drug interactions. I'm seeing uh, opportunity for optimization. And I don't see uh, an agent for mental depression, yet this is how the patient shows up. So those doctors started taking my cell phone and say, thank you. That was so helpful. I didn't know that was happening. So I was able to bring comprehensive medication management to her. And then patients started flocking into that community, you know? And so when she closed um, due to health reasons, you know, she was diagnosed with cancer and she just couldn't handle the stress of running the business. I just missed it. But those doctors still had my cell phone <laughs> and they would message me, say, hey, I have a new patient, HIV positive. We're about to start hepatitis treatment. What do you think? So I became just a resource for them, not knowing that fast forward, these are going to be um my partners that would actually help me succeed in my own business. Wow. So how long ago was this? Like what year is this happening? So that was, uh, cause I graduated 2005, worked for, uh, the chain for two years. So 2007 to 2009, I was in that hybrid position between a home infusion and, um, the independent pharmacy. So she closed around 2008 and I opened my pharmacy in 2009. So, so in that time, there's, you know, it, it doesn't sound like it was that long ago, but I guess it was. And, um, but, it, but at that time, you know, there, there's still, I think, not as much organization um, uh, around that kind of comprehensive treatment from a, from a pharmacy. Yeah. Right? So I always was very clinical. Okay, so my journey was supposed to be, I finish school, I go to clinical residency, my professors uh, saw me in a hospital setting, they guided me towards the residency pathway, but I chose not to. However, I chose not to for two reasons. One, I was an international student on a one-year visa after graduating to make it work to stay wow. in the United States. 
So it's a gamble for me to use that one year into a residency program that maybe this is not the right fit for me. Maybe I'm not the right fit for them. And I've lost an opportunity for to be employed and switch my visa to a working visa. So I withdrew from the residency pathway and chose the job market. And it, the reason I ended up in North Carolina, it was a huge jo- uh, shortage of pharmacists. So it was easy for the companies to sponsor my work visa because there was a need. Right. That's why I moved here. But my clinical way of how I approached patients never changed because I was in a different setting. So I oh, so just because I didn't have the information, I seeked for it. So this is how I had reached out to the doctors. Hey, I'm checking these prescriptions. I'm wondering if you don't mind, could I know what their kidney levels look like, their liver function looks like? And they would share with me, and this is how I would go back with a better regimen for them. Gotcha. You know, simple things. If a patient was still consuming alcohol, but you're giving them these HIV medications that are going to make their liver worse, yes, the patient's not ready to stop alcohol, but there are better agents out there that are not going to hurt the liver. So that's how I was always approaching things for them. So I wanted to solve that problem. It's okay. We're going to work about alcohol later. You know, or a patient's using drugs. That's okay. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to make sure you're virally suppressed. So I need to, you have to be honest with me so I can make sure the doctor (laughs) doesn't give you medications that's going to kill you. And so, and I learned that through working with the HIV specialists here, like they would teach me so much that I was able to bring back to the primary care who were taking care of HIV patients, but didn't have specialists. So that was just, uh, so I always used a clinical approach no matter where I went. And I tell pharmacy students this today. Every pharmacist is clinical. Our settings are different. Some have more access to information. Some we have to try and get it. But this whole idea of if you're in the community, you're not clinical is not true. Because there's no one who went through pharmacy school not knowing all the clinical aspects of a medication and a patient management. It's just the way the uh, system has divided us like, you, these guys are better. I see that in students. They come in and the first thing they're like, oh, I'm not doing community. I'm like, why? Oh, I want to be a clinical pharmacist. And then right. five weeks with us, they see our pharmacist and they say, I want to work here. I said, well, I thought you didn't want community. You know, so there's so much work to undo um, these labels. Yeah. Some, somehow that clinical label I've, I've seen in, in the past few years is really kind of you know, bubbled up and, and you either identify with it or you're like, mm, that's something we're not doing. And it's this big, scary step into a new frontier. And it's it's not necessarily, it's it's what you're doing. Each one of them <laughs> verifying that prescription, they're making clinical decision whether they're going to give the patient or not. Yeah. So I, I think one of the, one of the differences there might be just the like that, that, that extra time that you spent and, and that extra communication, which, you know, a lot of pharmacies are doing every single day anyways, and they, they may not say they're doing it clinically, but, um, you know, there's, there's definitely an investment in, in that extra time, 
Did you find that maybe like with that specific niche, were, were those drugs like high margin enough that maybe you're able to, you know, kind of in a business sense, dedicate that time uh, kind of built in under that drug coverage? And, you know, how do, how do you see that, that time that you invested? Back in the time when I was doing that, I knew nothing about the reimbursement of these drugs. You know, it was the right thing to do because they were not getting the outcomes. <clears throat> so that was initially. Then when I started the business, I, I probably still did it more than what I was getting paid for. But looking back, it was a seed to have shown those providers that when there was a way for them to pay me, they are willing to pay me, you see? So hindsight, I can say I was creating value, okay? I was building patient loyalty. But then I look at a lot of pharmacies, whether you're going the extra mile clinically or you're just going the extra mile serving that patient, it's the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what, what I wanted to say is that, so we're all spending time doing beyond dispensing for these patients. So whether you're going to call it that extra comprehension of uh, the extra comprehensive medication management, or just chatting with the patient to find out what's happening at home, you know, all these independent pharmacies are always doing something beyond here's your prescription. It could be a 15 minute dialogue of the weather because the patients aren't leaving you, that connectivity, that friendship. So we're all spending time with these patients. I wanted to make sure that time was actually attributed to their provider relationship and the patient seeing me as this glue between them and their provider. Yeah. So did you have providers that pushed back on that? Like, hey, this is, we got this. Stay in your lane, Amina. Actually, no. Yeah. And I went back. So people have asked me that. Oh, I've worked with providers and I try to send them this communications and I tell them this and I don't get the same outcomes. So I took an assignment and I went back to every provider and I say, can you tell me when I approached you or when I sent information, why didn't you give me the response that someone else told me they're receiving? Each one of them said, your approach was non-threatening. You didn't judge me. They showed me messages coming from the pharmacy. It's almost like, you're wrong, I'm right. And so I realized it's in the approach and how we're communicating. There's definitely ego involved in healthcare. But guess what? I have zero ego. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong and I'm fine, (laughs) you know? And so when I met, when I messaged them, it says, Hey, you probably already looked at this, you know, I'm curious, but I'm always genuinely curious because I can't say I'm right or I know everything. So everyone that I went back to, they said, you always just seemed curious and you wanted to learn. And sometimes it made me realize that I was wrong, but it wasn't a, you didn't approach me that way. And so one at a time kept saying that, said, oh, I received messages telling me you put the patient on the wrong dose. Okay, so what's the right dose then? You know, or 
or they said that the pharmacists make them their patients, <clears throat> your doctor puts you on the wrong drug. So we are creating this um, fight, you know, or feud. And so they don't like it. So I tell these pharmacists who say this, what is your approach? Mm. You know, the provider always feels they own the patient because they have a very sacred bond with this patient, right? They are the ones who found what the issue was. They diagnosed the patient. I realized there's such a privilege when you go to your doctor and just share your fears and share all this, and they get to give you a life-changing diagnosis, right? There's already a trust bond done there. So then you come to my pharmacy and I find a discrepancy and how I approach this is so important. One, I don't want the patient to lose trust with their provider because they're human too. Mistakes do happen in the pharmacy and in the medical practice, right? But the professional relationship was said, hey, so they felt like I was always looking out for them rather than I just wanted to show them I had all this knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that. And even, you know, even if it's not a discrepancy, but like an opportunity, but you, yeah, um, you, you have to really walk that line. Like you don't want to come between you, 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 you want to, you know, be, be that addition, that, that value add, not a, not a divisive force. Yeah. So curiosity has always made it easier because sometimes they are right. And I was wrong. They're like, yes, that would have been ideal if this patient had not failed one, two, three, or if this patient uh, did not have this kind of uh, other health condition that you, do, you don't know about. Yeah. All right. So you go through pharmacy school with uh, a little bit extra pressure than most college students have <laughs> with the, uh, the work visa hanging. Uh, you go to three letter, you, you do some independent, some clinical, you are spending time with very specific um, uh, kind of groups in your community. And then you have this really like this worldview that you bring with you that I think is also something that probably contributes a lot to, you know, perspective is everything. And, and I think that really gives you an interesting perspective. And so at this point, you walk up to the to the building uh, that you see the ad for in the paper and, and say, this is where I'm going to start? Or how does that work? And, and what'd you do on day one? I was sitting at the home infusion that day and our server was down. So there was not much we could do. Okay. So I'm talking to uh, a colleague of mine. <clears throat> she's in enrollment of patients, right? And she's like, I mean, why are you daydreaming? And I said, you know what? I don't want to be here. <laughs> you know, well, this is down. My mind is just thinking, I need to go back to independent pharmacy. So I was sad that that lady had sold. And so I'm trying to find how do I go back to it and not go to the chain? Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to open my own pharmacy. And she laughs at me. We still laugh about this. She's like, here you go again, Amina, dreaming of <laughs> all this. I said, I am. And she said, do you know anything about opening a pharmacy? I said, no, but I've seen enough and I just need to find space. So I go on Google and I said, um, <clears throat> space for business, for pharmacy. <laughs> and this phone number comes up. So I call this number 
And this gentleman says, yes, actually, we have a space. And he gives me the address. Do you know it was right across the street from the CVS that I had left? People <laughs> think it was intentional that I went back to that community. But no. So it was this phone number on Google. And they said, yes, we have a space. And they said, it's on Village Lake Drive. And I said, Village Lake Drive? When can I meet you? So we arranged to meet on the weekend. And I see the space across the street from the CVS that I worked. So I say, the universe is telling me I have to do this. So I was like, I want this space. And while I'm talking to him, a lady comes out of, uh, there was a family dollar. There was a dry cleaner. A lady comes out, the family dollar it was one of my patients. And she says, Amina, what are you doing here? We have been looking for you. They didn't tell us where you left. And I asked her this question. I said, if I open a pharmacy here, would you come? She was said, absolutely. Here's my phone number. So I said, here goes a confirmation. And as I'm talking to her, an older gentleman coming out of the dry cleaner, Mr. Fred goes, Amina hugs me. He was he's like, I missed you so much. We, no one will tell us which store you went to. They thought I was transferred to another CVS. Oh, and wow. they were trying to find me. So I told this guy, I want this space. And so I said, that is so cool. It is so crazy. I signed this space and I said, okay, so what do I do next? I went online on Google again. How do you open a pharmacy? And I got a whole, like my cousin showed up, uh, North Carolina Mutual, you know? Okay, bye. So I talked to North Carolina Mutual and they took a chance with me. So they took a chance and said, Tell us your story, why you want to open. I said, I found this place right across of the CVS that I worked. This is what happened. I know this community. I know all the patients that go there. And so they said, and I said, and I don't have money either. <laughs> <laughs> and it was 2009 and the banks were not giving any loans. Right. So they said, we're going to give you one year, $120,000 credit. OK, and we're going to help you get started. And I said, that's all I need. One hundred and twenty thousand. I have credit. I have the space. And my friend who had sold the pharmacy had some fixtures that were stored somewhere. And she always told me, she said, you will make a very good independent pharmacy owner one day. And if you need, here are the computers. Here are counters and baskets. I was naive to think that's all you needed to open a pharmacy, but <laughs> I am a person who's not afraid to fail. See, and again, what you say, perspective is everything. So where I come from, this is already more than I have. So it's okay. So I was like, what's the worst that could happen? It can't be worse than what I've seen. Because in America, the worst, I could work at McDonald's and have a paycheck. That right. is more than a lot of people have options around the world where you could still get money and live. Maybe not how you want to, but you're not going to be out the streets. So because that's my bottom line, it's like if the bottom line is still better. <laughs> that's, yeah. You know, it's actually, it gives me hope to try things because it's okay if I fail, you know? And so I was able to take that leap of faith and with the resources that Mutual gave me, now I went back to my friends at the, at the in home infusion and there were a few pharmacists that I knew 
And I said, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to need y'all's help because I want to continue working here three days a week so I can have some income. And then I reached out to some of my other friends that still worked at the chain because at those days we used to work 14 hour shifts, right? So you, you would have a week that you worked four days and you had three days off, you know, or you worked three days and you had four days off. So I told a few friends, each one of you are going to cover me in this new store one day. I have no money to pay you, but one day I will. (laughs) Okay. I said, one day I have the money and I'll pay you. But for now, let's just make this happen. And they said, we're on board, Amina. We'll help you. And that's exactly how I opened the first store. And the day we opened, I realized how much I had meant to so many of those patients that two years because we sent out flyers with my photo in there and the phone calls that came and the patients that transferred. My supervisor at that district is still my friend till today. She said, I had never seen something like that before because they sent coupons to these patients to transfer back. And the patient said, that's not worth it. We're going to meet. We don't want your $15. Wow. That's wow. how strong relationships I had made that I hadn't realized by taking care of the patients the way they felt was the right way to take care of a $50 coupon was not worth it. They were getting $50 per prescription that goes back and they say no. And I still have so many of those patients until today I just keep them until I attend their funerals, you know, because they really meant that much to me too. Sure. Sure. So, so that's just how my story was of building it. They took me to their churches. They are the ones who marketed. I have to tell you this, Will. I didn't even have the time to make an official recording on the phone that had, thank you for calling this pharmacy. Yeah. And I remember one of my all the patients came to me one day and said, Amina, I want to give you a gift. I don't like the voicemail on your, <laughs> on your <laughs> message where it says, I even forgot about it. It says, you have reached 704. <laughs> and, and I said, you're right. I forgot about all those things, right? right? I was now transferring prescriptions, filling them, and using the mutual 120,000 credit to only order what these patients are transferring. And so that's how I did it. So-and-so is transferring, I'll use three, I'll buy three months of their supplies using that money. So I just budgeted the 120. As we grew, I would return so-and-so's one month supply and buy the next patient's one month supply using that 120,000 credit. So So there's a necessity. I can't believe I've never heard this story. Um, But that is, so, so a couple of things that stand out, like A, because of your perspective, your risk tolerance is much different than the the average person's risk tolerance, I think, at that. Because we have this uh, very elevated comfort level uh, that we're, you know, we've gained this much ground. It's hard to, you know, risk anything, you know. So risk is such a, a challenging thing. So I think that's really cool how you, how you took that. But the other thing that stands out is that, um, you know – you were doing so much work that you're technically not getting paid for, but you've built so much goodwill in the community that, you know, there's, there's so much value that was demonstrated in that process that, you know, 
is really impossible to put a price tag on. Like, it's such a cool story. Looking back and listening to these patients and what they say that relationship meant to them, you know, now I can say that was our net worth. Yeah. 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 So I did that. And so the gentleman that I was talking about, he said, I have a radio voice. So him and his wife came after work, recorded for me. They helped me put the signs up. They took me to their churches. They, t- they forced their friends and neighbors. They're like, this is now <laughs> Amina's drugstore. Remember I was telling you about my pharmacist, Amina? This is now her drugstore. And they were so proud of, the, of that idea that they wanted me to succeed so bad that nothing was going to stop them, you know? And so that's just how we finally became a real pharmacy. (laughs) So I I became full time. So I was lucky enough to visit that location years ago and um, you showed me around and and I spent all day hanging out and just seeing your patients and, and seeing your team in action and a couple things stood out. Um, one thing that that I think was really, really cool is the way you kind of tackled that clinical approach even before Avant Institute, uh, when it was just Amina operating, you know, at the top of her game as a pharmacist. So I think that's a great start point. You you told me a story about when somebody comes in with a specific disease state. If they come in with a prescription for a diabetic medication, you know, your fundamental approach was very different. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, because and I still train this to all of our team when we hire a new technician. You don't look at the script; you look at the patient. Okay. And a lot of times in the pharmacy, we look at here's a prescription for this diabetic medication. I look at that a patient has entered our care. How much do we know about this person? Okay, what else do they have going on? Uh, what are some of the challenges they've experienced? Why did they even end up here? Why are they coming to us? Again, it's that curiosity, you know? So that way we are able to tackle, is it affordability? Is it because we deliver? Is it because you want adherence? Is like, what is going on? And the more I got to know those patients, I got to understand what today we call social determinants of health. But that's what we were solving, you know, for these individuals coming to us. People who didn't know that they're like, I don't know how I got diabetes and I don't even eat sugar. But they didn't know that all the carbohydrates they were eating turned into sugar. So when I started seeing small light bulbs, it, I was like, here's an opportunity to how we set this patient up. So what do we know about the diabetes? What else should they have on? What else should we have? So before we know it, this patient became what you would consider a profitable patient, but not because we were looking for things just to sell them, but because they were things that they actually needed to be successful in handling their disease state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many patients don't know what they don't know um, about, you know, the medications they're taking. But really, those those medications are, you know, kind of that that lagging indicator. Those those medications are, are the result of, you know, a, a lifestyle that maybe could be improved. Um, 
just with some some education. And like like you mentioned, it's it's not that it's a you know one sided relationship. Your pharmacy also benefits with front end sales and and patient loyalty and and so much. So you've um, you, you've grown kind of that. Um, that extra attention to the, those patients' needs and to really strong relationships with the patients, but also with those providers, and um, moved into a new location, which uh, we'll touch on in a, in a second. But you've also done some things to help share what you've learned uh, with the pharmacy community, and 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 I see that you know it, it's like that fourth tier, you know, past uh, you know going into uh, a big box store, going into independent, starting your own independent. And then it's really cool to see where those passionate people go from there, whether it's precepting or whether it's, you know, really um, uh, trying to change the, the landscape, you know, through legislation. There, there's so many different routes uh, of leadership there. And so one of those is the Avant Institute. So tell me a little bit about that for anybody that's not familiar. So Avant Institute was really born from a necessity that I saw uh, in people asking me, so how did you get from here to there? And I realized I could take an hour of my generous time and talk to them, but I can't really go through all the failures, right? That one hour is enough for me just to tell you what you need to do. But then when people go and try to implement, then they say it's too hard or it didn't work and they give up because I didn't have the time to tell you how you really start from this is an idea to this is how you approach it. Then this is how you're going to fail, but I can stop you from failing because this is a better route to go through. So because it needed more than just me, I needed to bring different teammates from my team that made me who I am today, it wasn't all me. So a lot of pharmacy owners are super visionary, but they lack implementers. And I was lucky that the folks that had surrounded me were implementers. They couldn't dream it. But if I would dream it, well, you better believe they will put the details to make it come to life. So we had to take all that together, right, into a training module. So I need the Olivia, I need the Jessica, because we all made this whole happen in different parts of our skill sets, right? So a lot of times, whoever is getting inspired is the visionary, gets it right away. Then they go to their pharmacy and says, here, guys, we're going to stop doing this. But they don't know the, the psychology of everyone else that's on their team and how they can make them successful. So Avant Institute is really everything that we have done, how we've gotten from one pharmacist to 20, how we've gone from one service to tons of them, how we've worked with one primary care doctor to a big health system, to a federally qualified health center. I realized there was so much value on how we approach things that it's not easy just to tell someone in one hour. So that's why we wanted to put it in in pieces because my transition as I was working with those patients closely when the opportunity came for these docs to be able to pay me we were able to find the codes that now could pay for my value 
right? So if a pharmacy who's never done that before, how do we accelerate them, right? They don't have the time to try and build that relationship and do things for free at this time in our industry. So we need to give them the tools and resources to quickly show value in a short period of time and get the contract. Yeah, and not only that, you you also don't want the the profession reinventing the wheel over and over and over and you know, and the more solidarity and consistency that you can you can develop with with you know, within the profession, I I think that just kind of moves it to the next level. And for me, the next level that I have felt just very rewarded is now I take our data and I speak on behalf of many pharmacists that have not even met me, right, Mm -hmm. to the doctors. So now they're going out looking for them because I've convinced them they need to look for them. Yeah. So because I've been talking to large groups that are interested. And so I bring those opportunities into CPSN network and say, yes, this is your pathway. You tell us, are you in Arkansas? Are you in what state? We're going to find you pharmacists that are going to do exactly what I'm telling you I've done here. And that's just been very rewarding for me to kind of pour into the industry, to pour into the profession where things that we've built from scratch can be used as a standard and someone else can be approached who wasn't even looking for this doctor today. Yeah, that's so exciting to see those new standards develop. And, and you know, really, like you said, it's it's you know, these are pain points that are in every healthcare community. And when the prescriber knows that there's a reliable group of pharmacists that can consistently help with those pain points, man, what a win-win opportunity. So you said you have 20 pharmacists now? Okay. So, so how many, how many of those are within the walls of the pharmacy and how many of those are on the road in doctor's offices at any given time? So we have three locations now. Um, two locations have one pharmacist each, and one location has two pharmacists. So four are in the traditional role. Okay. Then the rest, of course, are e- either in management now uh, or clinicians, or strategy, uh, and our scalability. Wow. That's a big team. That's a big team. And I'm very proud of them because many of them trusted me when RX Clinic didn't look like how it looked like today, you know? And so they've been with me as a student, as a resident, you know? And so it's to see how proud they are of where we have, where we are today it's just rewarding. They trusted before we, they could even see the full picture. They were like, okay, you tell us what's next, what's next. And now we sit back and look at everything and they're like, wow, this is what we've built. Yeah. So, so another thing that stood out to me when I visited um, was the psychology, like you mentioned, of your, your training and your implementation and the buy-in from your team when you do start a new process. Um, so there, there are old videos floating around of, of you and I and, and the front of RX Clinic Pharmacy where you, uh, you're explaining that when you do start a new process, you have 
all your team members go through, they read it, they sign off saying they understand it. And so it sounds like that education psychology and that buy-in has been really one of the, the keys to, you know, do, doing these exciting new things. Absolutely. Because without buy-in, your vision is just a vision. It will never, it will never grow. So getting buy-in from our drivers, to our operations, to our technicians, to our pharmacists, it's so important. And I think I spend so much more money on building that concept early on because I know they're going to need it to work with me. <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to... So I spend upfront leadership, their self-awareness, they knowing if their fear is true versus if their fear is just an imagination of just their psychology of control and worrisome, you know? So, and I try to group my team. So when you first come on board, our interview process, it's all about psychology. It's not what you know, because we can teach you everything that we do in one day. Right. But yeah, the sure. barrier is going to be how we work with you, how we motivate you, how you're self-motivated, how, how accountability looks like for you, uh, what, what motivates you, because not everyone is motivated by money. I learned that along the way working with my team because I'm not motivated by money. So you could pay me more and more and more. It's, it won't make me work as harder or get you to your vision. But if you connect with me to, for me to understand you, your why, and I feel like I'm part of whatever that mission is, then you may not pay me anything and I probably could work overtime. Sure. You see? Yeah. So, yeah. and I started seeing that with the different individuals. So I spend a lot of time to know how they learn, you know, cause not everyone learns the same way. And so not one size fits all. And so it's daunting for many owners, but our retention is next to none. I don't, we don't have a problem with retaining these folks. Sure. Unless when, and our culture becomes so strong that when you're not the right person, you fall out really quick because <laughs> yeah. the team yeah. defends itself. Yeah. You, and, and you find that with, with some teams that there's that, you know, we're, we're the Navy SEALs, right? We're doing things a certain way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so it just, uh, it does that. So we spend a lot just to kind of psychology is, uh, is, is my way of leadership. So I, I follow you on social media and one of the things that I've loved seeing is that, you know, so all of these initiatives seem like they, there's a lot of administration, there's a lot of educating, there's a lot of things that are taking you out of the pharmacy. And one of the things I've loved seeing with your new location is you posting about how you've kind of gone full circle and you've built those systems. You have such that amazing support team that you're able to now go back in and, and keep that passion and, and be in the pharmacy more lately. So tell me about, tell me about your new pharmacy. Yes. So it was so necessary for me to get out there 
and build what our future would look like, secure all those relationships. I was so heavily in administration, you know, building the next leaders in our company, the team. And that took me away from the bench and it took me away from just meeting and greeting those uh, patients that came to our pharmacy. And our old pharmacy at RX Clinic, we didn't have room. So I wasn't going to go in there just to occupy space when they needed a space for an extra medicine technician, mm. you know? So I started working remotely. We started working from home. And then we finally had an old condo that became our corporate office. We call it <laughs> yeah. HQ. You've been to the yep, HQ. I've been to HQ. <laughs> Correct. So people will say HQ. And then they'll be like, I'm, I think I'm entering like an apartment complex. They're like, yeah, that's HQ. <laughs> so now that very fortunate how we even found this space. Same concept. I was like, okay, we're growing out of space here. We have, we have more things that we want to do, but our, our location doesn't meet that, you know, it doesn't look like we can do these things here. We don't have the space. And so I went back to Google to look for space. <laughs> Got a phone number. And this phone number said, there's a space within where you're looking for, but Walmart would not allow a pharmacy to be in there because there's a Walmart. But this gentleman said, but since you're so nice on the phone, I'm going to give you another phone number. It's another company adjacent to where I have space. They may have space coming up soon. I know the agent there. So I call this agent. He goes to show me a, a space and I don't really like it. And I said, man, my dream would be, you know, that Rite Aid down the street, man, my dream would be to be there. He said, oh, I'm the agent for that Rite Aid too. And I said, are they selling? He was like, yeah, because it said for rent. And I was like, I wasn't going to rent that. And they said, yes, the, the owners are motivated to sell. And I said, can we talk about that? And before we know it, two, three months later, we bought the building. Wow. So then I spent the last nine months putting all those pieces of the vision into this building and creating a space for me to come back in it now. <laughs> and so now I'm back in here and it has been one good to see that the team was able to work this long without me even one day. Yeah in the pharmacy. But I'll tell you, they like having me here. <laughs> <laughs> they like having me here, some of them. Some of them are more like, uh, here goes a new idea. <laughs> I, I knew you should not have said that in front of Amina because she will agree with you. But full circle is, first of all, they've changed my name. I'm not their CEO anymore. I'm their official sales associate. Okay. I'm on the floor. Literally greeting the customers, learning more about what they like, about what we have, what else are they looking for, educating in the moment. And I've had more sales than any of them. So they're worried about December sales. And they're like, you don't even look like you're trying. I said, because guess what? <laughs> I'm excited about what we've put here and I want everyone to see it. And when they see it, they say, well, can I get it? Absolutely, you can get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's it's been fun. And Getting back to um, workflow, it's been cool to see all the cool things that Pioneer can do now because I was so out of touch not being in front of the screen. 
We've been busy. <laughs> yes. So, so it's really good. And I know this is where I belong. That's awesome. So one of the things that, uh, that stood out that I, that I've, so I watched the whole process, like while you're posting about this location coming along. And, um, if you think of durable medical equipment, I think of like the, that silvery kind of anodized steel, it's cold, it's utilitarian, and it's not something you want to even admit that you need in your life because it's just a, there's nothing positive about it, I guess, right? So you didn't put DME uh, on the side of your building. You took a different approach and again, a much more uh, sympathetic approach, I guess. But uh, tell me a little bit about that psychology and what you what you put up there. Yeah, so everything that we were going to do in this building, we were going to not make it too sterile, you know? That was the idea. We wanted to bring warmth. That's why we even changed the name, RX Clinic. Like, you know, yeah, we needed to kind of get a warmth, a meaning to a our brand. So like Avant means forefront, you know? So we're always going to be on the forefront. We're going to be five years where pharmacy needs to be today, you know? So avant-garde, that was very necessary for me because this is what we're going to be. So we're going to leave our brand, you know? Our promise is going to be that. But then everything else, we wanted to think about it. So one was, as you enter our pharmacy, how did you want, how do you want to feel, right? So we had a waterfall because I'm always inspired with water because I like the fluidity. Nothing is set in stone. It got to run, you know? Good days, bad days, they, nothing lasts. So the idea of water as you enter is like, it's going to be a fluid process, you know? We're going to keep it moving. And okay. so that, cause I, that was it. So if you enter our doors, that's the first thing. Then I wanted a place where whenever we enter a pharmacy, people seem to get lost as to what they're looking for. And because we have many services, I wanted to have a welcome center kind of like a concierge, right? Mm -hmm. What are you here for? Are you here for prescription? Are you here for vaccine? Are you here for testing? So you don't look lost. Right. You know, because right. some people won't ask. They'll just circle around and leave. But the fact that we have that, immediately people feel like as soon as they get in, there's someone for them to ask different questions for. So right. we wanted that to be the hub of disseminating services or educating about what we have. So as we started doing this, I was like, okay, but what are these departments going to be? I said, no, I'm not going to name them till I see them. I want to feel what we have because I don't just want to put a name. Sure. So we didn't name everything until I started <laughs> seeing how things. So one of our pharmacists who is now director of health and wellness and is doing the weight loss and we have all these tools like a 3D scan where we can get your body in 3D and the in-body, all those things. And they're like, this is our wellness room. I said, hold on, don't name it. So they were frustrated with me because <laughs> everyone wanted to have their section name. Yeah. So as I saw what was happening there, I named her department the health studio because people are coming in, they're getting all these images, you're getting lab work, you're getting their cognitive health, you're getting their scale data, you're getting this 3D imaging, and then we have a screen where we portray you so you could see yourself, and then we come up with a plan. 
that's like where you make your music. That's where, where you make the show. I'm like, it's a studio, but about health. I love you know? it. So that became health studio. So then when it comes to our DME guys waiting for his, okay, so he's going to be DME. I'm like, ah, every time I think of DME, I just think about end of life. You know, it's like, no. And so I said, let's think about this, Jeff. Jeff was very upset with me because Jeff was ready to put his stuff. <laughs> He'll tell you, you know, because like, I thought the whole reason we moved to a bigger space so we could showcase more. I said, but we have to be intentional. So I said, first, on the wall that he was going to put all this medical equipment, we thought about, we were going to put that, but a friend of mine helped me think through why would you want to see end of life when you first walk into your pharmacy? So we're like, yes, we want to, we want to scream, let's prevent you from needing medical equipment. Right. Okay. So we started with sports and nutrition because sports and nutrition should keep you younger, healthier, and not need all these. Right. Yeah. And then we reached out to NCPA and worked with Gabe and Gabe was very instrumental also in the, thought process of renaming things. So as we were working with him and we felt the energy was very similar to renaming. And so when he said, when we think about DME, what are those things? They are really for home safety, comfort, and mobility. And that just felt right. Mm-hmm. That's right, because now I'm not saying I'm, I'm getting these things to make myself safe at home. I'm making myself so I can move better mobility. I'm getting a lift chair for comfort. And so that became home safety, comfort and mobility. Yeah. So like buying buying that from, you know, just changing the department name changes the, the perception, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, I, I live here in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, which is, you know, a kind of southern, uh, you know, demographic area. And if and if a, uh, you know, you're you're run of the mill guy here went into a restaurant, he wouldn't order a panini. <laughs> but if you told him it's man, it's like a really good grilled sandwich with turkey and cheese. He's like, yeah, I'll have a grilled sandwich, <laughs> but I'm not going to order a panini. There, there's so much uh, branding that, that goes into everyday products, but I, I think you're so right with the DME that that just has such a sterile, you know, utilitarian sound. Yep, and then wellness, we moved it to where we have an infusion suite because uh, I'm a consumer of IV hydration in my community. I know I work hard. I know that I deplete a lot of my nutrients. I know I don't always have time to eat everything that I should eat to stay healthy and well. So I'm a consumer of that. And so is a lot of our pharmacists, a lot of our pharmacists. And so we're like, we, if we're going to be a wellness center, we have to have an option where we are also consumers of this product that we go out to buy. So that was the first intention. It was for ourselves. I was like, we could save a lot of money if we did our own <laughs> IV hydration. <laughs> and so it. we have this. And so we have it. When you go into the wellness room, it says live well, be well, do well. And then we, it's, it's very inviting, very relaxing. And it's been a great success in addition to our wellness center. 
Yeah, and I I feel like if you're building out a business that authentically as, you know, what what do I value as a consumer but also as a provider, you know, I I feel like it's going to be a win recipe. It's it's hard to go wrong there with with that kind of authenticity guiding you. So it's been fun being here and I've been able to be creative. We're now doing social events because we have actual time and space <laughs> to do it. And so we did our first be well and exhale. And now everyone wants it more. And we invited uh, like CEOs, CFOs. My dentist was, uh, I invited her and she brought a friend. And now the husband wants to come to the next event. We invited some nurse practitioners. We wanted to focus now, not just on the patients in our four walls, but other people who are as busy as us, who's taking care of them. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is always taking care of, of the sick patient. We want to take care of the busy people who are on their way of becoming a sick patient. So it's so that's our new niche. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna have to have you back for a for a part two because we're creeping up on the uh, on the time slot here. But always always so much to talk about when I talk to you. So uh, that that was one of the things we we uh, were saying offline before we started recording. I was just like, yeah, just tell me what's going on. It's always it's always great. So, <laughs> well, thank you for having me. So. Um, Hopefully, before too long, I'll, I'll get to run into you in person somewhere. Um, those those events are, are are popping up. I saw you a couple months ago at uh, NCPA, I guess. Yeah, somewhere. So. Yeah, I was part of the steering committee. So looking forward to more of those this year. Also looking forward to having you at Connect this year, of course. And we have, uh, we have great new content. We can't wait. Awesome. So I'll let you get back to it. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, shout out to your team too. Uh, such a great team there that's that's backing you up in all those endeavors. So definitely shout out to, to everyone there on, uh, on Amina's team. Will do. They're the best. All right. See you later, Amina. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.